Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Elisa and welcome to the show. Today it is Wednesday, July 20th. We are in full-blown summer here in Ottawa. It has been the most incredible season. And as I sit here in front of the mic, I, I th- I'm thinking it's been a minute since I've been here and shared with you all. There's so much to share, so much to unravel. I missed the last episode because I was so busy with that personal power workshop. And if you were there, how great was that? We had a great time together. And if you weren't there, there's going to be one in September. I'll be mentioning the dates in the next episode. So today I'm going to keep this intro quite short. Why? Because my interview with my guest today is ran long and I want to share the entire recording with you. It is quite impactful. We deep dive into some very interesting topics. Now I will give you a small trigger warning. This episode does include themes of cult mentality and religion. That being said, my guest today is a spectacular woman. She is a fitness coach, turned life coach. She was called into the practice and I can understand why she has a beautiful soul, a very unique and wonderful outlook on life. She listens to her intuition. She follows her, the, she follows her personal power. She steps into her personal power and she has had an incredible life. She's sharing her story today. My guest today is Marissa Hammond a fellow Ottawa Ian. And today was the first time we actually spoke face to face, but I feel like I have known her for years. What an amazing story. Let's get into this episode. Here is Marissa Hammond. <laughs> okay, Marissa, finally, you're on the pod. I'm so happy that you're here. How are you doing today? Today <laughs> is a day of happiness and bubbles, and I'm so excited. Yes. This is like so cool because... Like, Eliza and I've been following Eliza. There we go. See, I said I wasn't going to do this, and then I looked at your name at the bottom of the screen. I know. Screen. It's, it's like, Elisa. Hey, Elisa. <laughs> and I have been following each other for a while online, mm-hmm. and, like, now I finally get to actually connect with you and talk to you, and I feel like we've just talked for five minutes, so I was like, I feel like we've been besties already. I know. It's so weird. It's, isn't that the weirdest thing? Like, that, to me, is we've never actually talked back. Well, we've chatted like in DMs and we've like, yeah. Um, but it's so weird when you see someone for the first time and you're like, yeah, it's like, I've known you forever. So cool. (laughs) Okay. So, um, you are a really interesting woman. You have a really cool story. You are very inspirational. I love following you. I love like your daily tips. Um, I don't catch them all the time, but like you do a little debrief and you share so much like thoughtful 
inspiring and compassionate content out there in the in a world that you know I really believe that there's like 10% of Instagram is is always is as a positive force and 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 you're part of that 10% so good job I love that and I don't know like why don't we start with your story a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself how did you become who you are today thank you so much for that and it's one of those things with instagram like i'm still figuring this shit out oh, like yeah. this life shit out this life coaching shit out, this being me thing like yeah and i love how you just said like tell me about your story like i, I don't know the exact word you just used but you said like where you are today like how you got to where you are today and like i'm mm-hmm. i know i still have another 20 30 40 50 chapters of craziness which is going to go up and down but like right now where i'm at like i've already had some really cool stories and i would love to share what's brought me to today mm-hmm. um like looking back at the very beginning kind of where i first started from was i was raised in a like i can look back now and say it was a cult environment like i was raised in a cult i was Homeschool through high school, I was raised in a small town where we were very Catholic, and it was like, even the kids who went to Catholic school, we kind of were not allowed to spend time with them, and we kind of looked down on them because mm-hmm. they also were not religious enough. Like, I was in a place where I was taught to cover my body, I was taught to be be pure, be, be good, be loving, but it was very fear-based, even though I don't think that was the intention of my parents, like that's what I learned. And I learned to have a lot of body shame. I learned to really not love who I was and constantly feel like I needed to be perfect in order to not be a sinner. And if I was a sinner, I was going to be going to hell. And so Mm -hmm. I just kind of lived in terror, but also didn't know anything beyond just my upbringing. Like I wasn't even exposed to the outer world. So then when I turned 18 and ended up moving actually out of that small town, and I was like, okay, like, like now what? Like, I remember the first day I didn't go to church on a Sunday, and, like, my body shaking with fear because I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is not safe. This is not safe. I need to be at church right now. I remember, like, the first time wearing a bikini in public and being, like, so ashamed and, like, afraid of sending men or other people to hell by looking at my body. But also knowing logically, I'm like, I've gone through this. I know that I don't believe this, but really feeling my body still did. So, like, it was so interesting to come from that fear environment shift into starting to be curious and be open be like maybe what I know to be the truth is not actually the truth and then just to kind of start to explore life so coming out of that I didn't really know what I wanted to do but I knew that I wanted to be me and be human and I knew part of being human was having this human body so that's kind of why I got into fitness which I went and did a two-year program at Algonquin College. So after that, I became a personal trainer and worked in that for around five years. But it's interesting because looking back, 100% the reason why also subconsciously underneath was I was afraid that if I didn't figure out how to look fit and sexy for the rest of my life, I wouldn't be wanted. Because that was something else I learned Mm. when I left religion was I was like, I get attention and I am wanted because I look a certain way or I can do things for other people. And it was so interesting to, like, leave that at religious environment where I thought, like, looking back, like, I have lots of people who I know who are my age. And, I mean, hey, if this is what lights you up and this is what really makes you feel like you go for it. But I know so many people who are my age who are 28 or even younger who are now married, have kids, and they're stay-at-home moms because that's all they knew they could do. And I'm like, I have 
I'm so for that if that's what left you up. But I, I just like, that's not what was for me. And for anyone else who feels like they have to go into that place because they feel like they have nothing else to offer the world other than be a stay at home mom and that they're not smart enough or they can't go to school or they have to only have their body look a certain way in order to still have value to offer the world. I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just was, there was so much more than that. So I got into fitness industry. Then after like seven years in that, I realized I was like, this isn't working anymore. Something isn't still working because I've since around 10, I've been dealing with binge eating, overeating food addiction, Mm. and I'll go in and out of it. There's different cycles, different things will bring it back up again. And then Mm. things will have it shift and it'll be as if like, it literally isn't even a thing and then it'll come back. So some of it involves Mm. like different traumas and heartbreaks, different things to do with religion based off of when Mm. being triggered. But what also happens is when I was in a period of my life where I was getting bored my soul was like we're done we're done with the fitness industry you've you've learned what you needed to do at this specific period of your time in your life like you're done with this it was like I noticed like the binge eating kept coming back up Mm. bouts of anxiety depression things would come back up and I was like okay like curious like what is this what's going on Mm. and in a meditation I had like this inner knowing this inner voice this inner piece it wasn't like words but it was just like this massive like aha moment of like what you're doing helping people love their bodies through movement is amazing but it's not meant for you anymore and I was like oh okay (laughs) so given my notice and three months later I was Friday was my last day of work Sunday I was on a plane going to Australia and I'm in Ottawa Canada went to the other (laughs) side of the world for three and a half months and it was in the middle of that that the pandemic hit but like I left my girlfriend who had been dating for a couple years I left my dog who was less than a less than a year old I left our house which was still in renovations and I was like this is something I need to do for me and I'm so grateful that I have a partner and that I'm grateful to my partner for being who she is for sure but I'm also grateful to myself all the growing that I did over the years Mm -hmm. to get to a place where I consciously chose a partner who would be there to actually support me in the way that I wanted to be supported. So like I went to the Australia, did this thing for three and a half months. And that's kind of where life coaching felt me. I told the universe, if you want me to do something, let me know. Someone messaged me and asked me if I did life coaching. And I said, I guess so <laughs> I'll try. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it's all started. And like, there's so many other different little stories and things like I can share based off of past relationships where I didn't love myself my body where I cheated on someone where I had to go through rebuilding relationships with myself learning what I actually wanted where I Mm -hmm. went through not talking to my parents for 15 months and dealing with the heartbreak of realizing my parents aren't going to come to my wedding now with my girlfriend because we're a same-sex couple like there's so many other little bits and pieces of our stories along the way but really realizing like it still is all just part of me figuring out who I am. And somehow I've managed through the ups and downs to get to today where I'm just not perfect, but I'm just grateful to be me. And I feel like I'm actually pretty conscious and pretty present in my life. And it feels really good. So I don't know if that kind of tells you about how I got to where I am today. Oh my gosh. But I feel like I'm just me. The listeners. (laughs) Okay. So The listeners and myself are like, oh my God, Elisa, you better ask a million questions and dissect the story. So that's what I'm going to do because there was a lot of things that were happening that happened in your life that are impactful that really, the overarching thing that I am 
I definitely want to dissect some of the things that you said and go a little bit deeper into them. But one of the overarching things that really stands out and possibly I had a couple of aha moments why I'm so attracted to you is is the curiosity piece, the critical thinking piece, the this isn't right piece. This isn't right for me in this moment piece. What can I do for myself? Because so, so many women in particular, we live in a patriarchal society. I'm sorry, uh, but that's the fact. And and we will be submissive. We will quiet down. We will be the good girl. We will go with what we believe or have grown up to believe is the power figure, the adult, the male dominator or whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying? So we... We, we say those things and we want to ask those questions, but the ability to take that step to actually continue to explore and then do something about it is like very powerful. Like that is humongous. And it doesn't matter if it's a cult mentality. It doesn't matter if it's uh, uh, how you learned to treat people it doesn't you know like it doesn't matter what the belief system is when you start to feel it that it's not right for you the way you've been doing things so I want to like rewind to the beginning because growing up you said it was a cult you said you grew up in a cult um can you just expand a little bit on that because I'm religion Calling religion a cult could be triggering for some people. Can you just sort of go to that place for a sec? Yeah, for sure. I I remember I didn't realize it was a cult. And I still, even now saying those words, feels so uncomfortable because I feel like it's loaded in the sense of it's like, like, oh, but then does it mean I'm saying poor things about my parents or my siblings or these other people who are all still part of it? Does it mean that they're all really messed up and evil people and all that. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think so. But I think that I do believe that there are in a fear based brainwashed system. And I remember when I was watching, it was on Netflix, they have these short explained series. And this would be actually if someone who's curious about cults too, like there was an episode on cults. It's like, what's the definition of a cult? And it's like, there's like these five criteria that need to be part of, uh, or but need to be met in order for something to be considered a cult. And it was things like it needs to have, there's fear involved. There's like, there's um like a head person who runs all those things. Like a leader. Has to yeah. submit to this. There's very specific rules and guidelines. There's a, like an all or nothing. Like you have to be, you're either in or you're out. There's a lot of, you've, you've got to follow this process and these rules. There's all these hierarchy. Like there's all these little pieces which defined what a cult was. And so like really looking at that's what it was. I was realizing I'm like, oh my gosh. And you're also secluded. You're secluded from, I think, I think part of it's being secluded from society, like being separate. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like, it was saying, okay, there's, yes, there's the head of us, which is the Pope in, in my case is what it had. But even still, it was like, there was these strict rules. And even just in the community, there was, there's these different hierarchies and there was, these people are good and these people are bad. And right. we associate with these people, so we don't associate with that. Right. And like you said, with seclusion, that was such a huge part of it. Yeah. Is it was like those people we don't even associate them with. They don't even like look at them. Like, and I remember 
so many different little instances being a kid where I would see something and be either either hear my parents say something or just get him get curious about it. Like I remember mm-hmm. I was probably eight or nine and there was a girl at church who was wearing a black bra underneath a white blouse and you could kind of see it through there. And I remember hearing my parents talking about like, isn't that so sad? This poor girl who's like falling away and all those things. And like right away you'd be as a kid, be like, Oh, don't be that. Don't be that. Right. Same thing. You're, oh, like there was just jokes that were made in the community of oh, that poor girl who wasn't able to have enough time to finish her dress for the party. And it was like, no, like she's just, just because she's wearing a skirt that comes above her knees doesn't mean that it's bad. But there was all these things where it was like, these are the beliefs this is right, this is wrong, this is the truth, that's not the truth, and even being open or being considerate of possibly something else might be the truth, it was like, just that alone in itself was a sin, and so just ever so slightly being curious about things outside of what your belief system or what you were told is, this is how it is, even that, there was too much fear to even consider it, so it's like, it's something which is very hard to get out of, Yep. Because you need to be able to critically think and you also need to be able to embody and be present in your body to be able to tune in like, hey, does this actually feel good and resonate with me? But if those are two things that you're taught, if you're taught your body is evil and not to be connected to it, if you're taught to shut down your emotions and just you should feel good and feel blessed all the time. And if you're not taught these things, like it's so hard to shift and get out of that. But like going back to your thing, like what makes it a cult? It's like, it's that. It's like you said, it's like the higher thing above you, this is the one who we look up to. These are all the rules. It's an all or nothing thinking. And even just slightly looking outside of this, that alone would be terms for complete rejection. So like you're you're terrified to even potentially look right. at something else. Because being banished is to die, really. Like you need your community and you need support and the human condition needs to be authentic and needs to belong. So you will abandon your authenticity in order to belong. Now, have you ever seen the uh, Netflix series Keep Sweet, Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey? No, but I watched the trailer for it and my body was like, I can't watch that. Like there's a lot of things that I still can't do because I get trauma responses around religion. And that's just like there's things that I can't watch, like being in churches, and now that I'm more able to actually sit in my body rather than disassociating, running into my brain and just completely disconnecting, Mm. like I'll start shaking, I'll start sweating, right? Like just now thinking about being back in a place with statues and pictures and hymns and all that, like it just brings everything up in me. It's like, it's it's scary. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not a safe place and it's the same thing with the there's a book called educated i don't know if you you read it but it nope. came out it's the story of um, a girl who she was i forget what religion she was in but or if it was just um i forget i forget what the religion was but it was about her and how she wasn't educated she was in a very um secluded space like she had these rules that she was like looking back at these things like she definitely went through abuse and these things and at one point she develops cancer and like there's this whole big story and I don't know all of it because I can't read the book I like my girlfriend Kathleen will read it and she'll share bits and pieces and she read one chapter out loud to me and the whole time like my body I could just feel was going through this trauma Mm. response and like shutting down and just thinking about it now like 
I want to start crying. Like I, like my whole body wants to start shaking. It's like, there's still so many things around, not just religion. It's not that all religion is bad. Specifically when you're in an environment where people use fear as a means to get you to live or be a certain way. Like it's like so uncomfortable that my body's like, I don't, don't want to be that. I don't want to be there. Like that's not safe. Like just thinking about being back in that old space Mm -hmm. is so scary because there's no space in that space for me being me. I think that's why it's so scary. I'm so thankful for you sharing the story. It's okay. So I'm really curious because from the outside looking in, it's really easy to judge people and it's really easy to be like, well, I can't believe she ever did that. Or I can't believe that people live like that or how, I mean, there was another, um, I was talking about this on my pod a a few months ago. I watched, uh, this like vegan documentary where, ah, shoot, I can't even remember her name. I'm so terrible, but there was a vegan girl and she has this major, vegan place in New York City and she ends up dating this guy who's like do you know what I'm talking about I see you nodding your head (laughs) okay and people are like how did a smart educated powerful woman ever fall for that and it's just the way in which very smart people powerful people indoctrinate young minds and vulnerable minds it just took one moment of vulnerability for her to get pulled into a narrative that she thought was okay that was going to help her that was people were looking out for her best interest and this is and and people use fear to indoctrinate you every person listening to this episode has been indoctrinated into belief systems because of fear period, whether those beliefs are true or not true. And if you're wondering whether they're true or not, something that I oftentimes ask myself when I'm getting into that space of curiosity is, is, does every person on earth believe this way? Believe this. And if the answer is yes, then I'll definitely pull back. But if the answer is no, And most often it is 99.9% of the time, the answer is no, not everyone believes this way. Then I, that's the, the switch of like, okay, if everyone in the world doesn't believe this, then where, what do they believe? What, who taught them? How were they indoctrinated? What was their life like? What, what fear did they go through? Where were they vulnerable? How did, you know, like those are the, Those are the questions that really, and I don't want to necessarily talk about the pandemic, but we, maybe we should a little bit here because that has been a colossal fear-based motivator to get, to split sides, right? So right now there's two sides. There's the, the, the good people and the bad people right now. (laughs) And I just find it so fascinating at how that, that all rolled out so interesting it's so interesting and I think it's I think it's just really heartbreaking because like you said it's all from fear and I I know some people some of my best friends are still in 
religion in Catholicism in Mm -hmm. a very deep way, but they're in it because they love God and because it helps them be a better version of themselves, not because they're fear-based and they're not trying to force everyone else to believe what they believe. They're Mm. willing to love and accept everyone else where they're at. And they're just like, no, this actually just helps me be a better version of me. And like, I love that. And I think it's Mm -hmm. the same thing with the pandemic. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you find getting vaccinated or not is helpful for you, it's like, then please do that. And like, yes, I get that there's people who are afraid that if other people don't get vaccinated, that it's going to affect other people. Like, I get that. But I also get that there's people who are not vaccinated, who are afraid people who are going to get vaccinated are going to also get injured. So that's the thing is there's just so much fear. So much fear. And realizing like, there's, it's like, oh my gosh. And it's like, there's some people for sure who are up at the top who I believe are pulling strings on both sides totally to try to use fear to make people follow their plan but i think there's most people are just actually trying to help people but as soon as you get caught in fear as a human being like that's what we're programmed for is for survival the same way as if you get kicked out of your community it means you die right the same way in this case it's something so massive if it's religion we're looking at if you're following this religion and you you go through it then that way you're going to live eternally if you don't follow the religion you're going to die eternally in hell if you for some people they see with the vaccination if yep. you get vaccinated you're going to live if you don't you're going to die or vice versa if you get it you're going to die if you don't you're going to live so that's the thing is there's just so much fear it's like how can we take a moment take a breath like actually connect back to ourselves and figure out what's right for us because like, i and i have no problem sharing now that like i've i'm vaccinated but i only didn't get vaccinated until october the end of 2021 because for a long time I was like no 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 and I was like this doesn't feel right or safe or good for my body and to be honest I would not have gotten it unless I was able to get to a place where I sat the same way I had that moment in meditation where I was that complete peace with my body for leaving the fitness industry Mm -hmm. I took time I did my research I looked at both sides I was open-minded I was curious and I said okay which one's the right one and to be honest I couldn't find a right answer I couldn't find a right answer, but I found the right answer for me based off of doing the research and sitting with and trusting my body. Yeah. And I got vaccinated and then I got COVID and I'm fine. I don't (laughs) think that would have been the same for every single person because I don't think there's a right answer for everyone, Mm -hmm. but I think it's learning like, how can we tune in and actually do the loving thing for ourselves and for others? Like at what point am am I maybe being oblivious and what maybe do I need to open up my mind? And at what point is it like, no, I'm actually really trying to be open-minded. And there's just a lot of people just throwing fear at me, trying to make me go on their side. And like, how can we just go back to connecting to ourselves and be like, what's actually the right loving thing for me? Because it doesn't matter what decision you make, be it in religion, be it in the pandemic besides, like being in career choices, being right. in what Relationships. you do on Sunday afternoon. Totally. There's always going to be someone to tell you you're doing it right and someone's going to tell you you're doing it wrong. So it's like, how can we learn to trust ourselves? How, I think that's like such a huge question. How can we learn to trust ourselves and do the loving thing? Well, like you said, getting curious. Like maybe, maybe like, does everybody else in the world agree with this? No, okay, maybe there's other options. But like, at what point... At what point am I actually oblivious? And at what point is it like, no, I've done my research and other people just disagree with me and that's okay. Okay. So you said a couple of things there that I thought were really powerful that I just want to sort of point out because when, when you, when you talk about getting curious or like doing your research is, is one way to do it. I mean, first of all, I know, well, 
I'm very confident in saying that you're the type of person that the research is never over. Like the curiosity continues. So there's no like end point. Okay, this is who I am now. Boom, I am here. And this is who I'm going to be. And I'm going to stay in this box for as long as I can. No way. You're going to keep exploring because you've under now you understand and you have lived through the power of of curiosity of you said open minded, which I think is something that has slowly drifted into this absolute binary thought process, this black and white thinking. It's like if you In fact, actually, I was um, because I and I'm publicly starting to say this. This is the first time I've said this on a podcast. I have chosen not to get vaccinated. And I made that decision because I got COVID in the early pandemic and I recovered from it. So that was initially one of the reasons why I was like, why would I get a vaccine for something that I already had? Like, that's weird. Like, would you get the chickenpox vaccine after you had the chickenpox? No. You know, it's like, and then people were saying, well, do it for your family. Do it for your, 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 the people around you. And I was like, hmm. To me, like my critical thought process was like, okay, when I go to the Philippines, do I get the malaria shot for the Filipino people? Or do I get it for myself to protect myself? When I got the Garnasol HPV vaccine, did I get that for the women in my community? No, I got it for protecting myself. Sure, a secondary reason for it. So these are the types of questions that I started to ask myself. And I was like, I'm, reco- I'm COVID recovered. Like, this just seems weird. And then a couple of other things started to come up and come up and come up. So I just was always questioning. And of course, through this experience, I have lost 70% of my friends. I have lost probably 30%. In fact, a family member just this week said that I am his enemy. And I quote, he said, people like you are my enemy. And I was like, oh. How lovely. (laughs) And then they prance around and say how nice they are and how great. I'm a good person. This is me. I'm a good person. But like, it's such a weird black and white thinking is so odd because you're literally being the thing that you are saying someone else is. And they but you can't see it. You're blind to it because you haven't been able to think critically about your life. And when you live in fear, you live in a space of irrationality. You are not thinking rationally ever. You're thinking with your emotions and that is no longer rational thought. So you make decisions in a very strange way. Anyhow, I kind of went on a tangent there. Sorry, but, (laughs) but not sorry. That's beautiful. And it's like seeing you like, Elisa, like it's so beautiful to that. You can just say, this is me. Mm hmm. But you're, but also like, you can see like, it hurts when you're like, oh my gosh, like this person is like, now you're my enemy. And you're like, really? Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to make sure I take care of me. I'm also being open-minded to, am I only taking care of me and rejecting everyone else? No, I don't think that's the case. It's not, I don't care about anyone else, but but I honestly don't see how me getting vaccinated is the loving thing for me or for anyone else in this situation. And I think it's like you said, like you can see other people are hurt 
but it's still like it sucks when they still they still come at you and I just like I think it's yeah like it's hard it's so hard to yeah. be in, in your space and like yeah so like good for you for like just showing up and being like this is me this is where I'm at and I think it's beautiful that you are able to go through that even though like you did like you said you lost 70% of your friends yeah this isn't you being like hey let's just do a friend closet clean out and just like get rid of anybody yeah. it's like no it's like you're, this is me being me and along the way we're going to lose people and it doesn't matter if it's from you changing religions or you're changing political views or yep. you're changing sports teams or anything like people <laughs> often get very angry when people they don't believe the same things that they believe because it's it's uncomfortable it's unchallenging when you have to check like challenge your entire belief system the things that you know to be true which is what creates safety and stability in your life that doesn't feel safe and that's where a lot of people it's easier to attack other people and make them the bad person than it is to say maybe I'm wrong absolutely Ooh, that was good okay so let's move to the next phase of your life here because you kind of did like a like a 180 swing into the fitness. I mean, coming from like the strict, I'm also Catholic and I also broke out of my indoctrination, which was a very interesting. I started asking questions when I was young, like if there's if God is all forgiving, why is there a hell? It just didn't make sense to me. And I, and I was like, why why are people doing all of these things? Like this what is this? Like it just didn't, things just started not adding up. And I mean, I was like a little kid. Um, and, and I was having these weird situations happening. Um, however, if you grow up in that environment, like a hardcore, um, and then you go into the fitness industry, the fitness industry, especially in 2010 or 2015, whenever it was, you were in that, is like sexy. It's showing your body. It's wearing Lululemon butt contours. It's like you have to look the part. So do you think it was like a 180 swing for you? Or were you just so curious about it that you like deep do- dove to like the other side of the... I mean, I guess the other side would be a little bit more maybe on the porn scale or something. I don't know. I don't even know yeah, what the I opposite of religion it, to be honest, is. It definitely went through my mind at certain points. I'm like, maybe I'd become a dancer. Never happened. Right. Okay. But it was right. Like hundred percent. Also, I think it was, I was so ashamed of my body that I was like, I could never be a dancer. Okay. <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> but it was just so, it was so interesting to be like, yeah, like that in some ways it was a 180. Mm. It was, it was like, I want to find the truth outside of religion in the sense. Um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like I went completely onto the, I want to be super sexy. I want to change how my body looks and all that. Like, I still remember, I must have been, I must have been two years out of the college and into working personal training. Like, I remember the first time someone showed me on, like, oh, like, look here, we just took this cute picture of you. Here's how you can tailor it in an app. And I was like, people do this. <laughs> right? Like, I am so fortunate in the sense, like, I've, I never manipulated my body mm. or like really fell into like the over sexualizing of myself right like I, right. I'm very open with like I've struggled with binge eating my for since like I was 10 mm. right like so in that sense like I've and trying to control my food and being afraid of that like I've definitely tried to control that to control my body from changing but like it wasn't the same as like 
like I'm hundred percent, if I was able to under eat and be anorexic, hundred percent, I would be, but like my, my struggles have always been overeating and that's okay. That's just, that's my symptom of still dysregulated nervous system of trauma. It's how I respond. I'm still learning to work through that and that's okay. Right. Like, like owning, like, yeah, like, I still need help with that sometimes. And I'm so grateful for the work I've done on it, but like, I've, I never, I never really fell into the, I'll force my body to look a certain way or I'll wear these clothes because it makes me look better. I was, and this is where it's very interesting. I was simultaneously on this line of want to look better, but also want to not because with religion, there was still this part of me, which is like, if I look too attractive, is that still bad? Right. Mm. Is this immodest? Is this making other, is this not being helpful to other people? Or even like if I look good or my body looks good, then am I making other people feel bad about themselves if their body doesn't look like mine? Like there was all these things where I was like, it wasn't like I was comparing myself to other people in the sense of I should look like that. It was almost like I was comparing myself compared to other people being like, I should look more quote unquote normal. Like I shouldn't have as many muscles or be as lean or be as attractive. And like, it's interesting because even just saying that out loud, there's still a shame around that. It's like, there's shame around the shame, right? It's like, I know I was and still am physically attractive when you look at it compared to like society standards. I'm not trying to look like society standards, but it just happens to be that when I take care of myself and I train and I move and I eat and I sleep for me, my body naturally becomes what would be like society's average acceptable society standards say, That's beauty, an attractive body. Yeah. Right. Totally. But it's not like I'm trying to do that, but it's almost like I would feel shame around that because I'm like, Oh my mm. gosh, like, I don't want people to think I'm trying so hard to look that way. And so I like, and there's so many different layers to my binge eating. And I'm, I've done work on it over the years, but just in the past year, I worked four months intensely with a therapist who specializes in eating disorders where we connected every single day. And like, there's so many different layers behind it. So, I mean, you guys don't need to hear all my therapy sessions, but one of the things <laughs> was, was that it was like, I was almost afraid of being too beautiful, of being too good looking and sexy I was like oh like I don't want to be everyone else to think that I'm trying so hard to look a certain way that I would like undo it to try to make myself look normal rather than being like no like this is just my natural body and yeah some people are gonna think I'm trying really hard to make myself look this way and that's okay some people are gonna be like oh I'm jealous of your body and that's okay Mm -hmm. some people are gonna think that I'm starving myself to get here and that's okay right because that's not the truth that's not the truth. And, and, oh, like, that's really so powerful. To get to that, right? It's like, okay. Yes. And okay. that's just another sort of reminder that when someone's losing weight or gaining weight, like to compliment or to comment on or judge someone by the way that they look is just, it's so 2000, it's so 1990. Like, let's get over that, right? And start seeing people for the light in which they bring the world. Like, your body and the way it looks isn't who you are. Sure, it's like 120th of who you are. It's like, uh, but it's, it, we've put so much value in thinness, in beauty, that we forget all the other things. And, and it's only once we get older and we start to lose our quote unquote beauty that so many people are like, why in the hell did I spend, like, look at how hot I was when I was 30. Look how hot I was when I was 20. And I hated myself. They look back and they're like, what was I doing? Like, 
and, 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 and like the 20 year olds and the 30 year olds right now that are criticizing their body, that are trying to be something that they're not, that is you. That is what you will do when you are older. You will look back and say, wow, was I ever fan frickin-tastic? And I couldn't see it. It's like that indoctrination thing. I want to actually talk about your aha moment. You said you had like in fitness, you had this moment where you sort of were like, this isn't who I am. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I've, this is a two part question. Did you have the same sort of instinctual soul calling aha leaving religion as you did with fitness? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not at all. Okay. Like, leaving religion was years. Okay. Years, and I'm still dealing with it now. Like there's Got it. like there's days where like I'll sit and I'm like I maybe I'm like just really fucking with myself. Like maybe I'm actually supposed to still be back in religion and I've now would have been one of those lost sheep who's been pulled away and I've been brainwashed away from the one truth and like there's still days where it's like it'll come back up and then I'll have conversations with other people who've left religion and I'm like oh no I'm not crazy I'm not the only one I'm not the one who's been messed up yes I actually was in an unhealthy environment initially right so like I'm still going through this. This was not an initial aha moment. Like, if you look at the the process of it, the first time I started questioning, I, I think I, when I got curious, I remember the day I was probably 12 or 13, I was standing in front of a mirror wearing a dress, and we had rules with clothing, like, all of our shirts had to go over shoulders, so, like, no tank tops, period, let alone spaghetti straps. Like, that that resonates. I couldn't be low. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like, went to a Catholic so school, so I had the same sort of clothing rules. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, and I like, and I'll share another funny story with you afterwards, but like, it was interesting wearing a skirt that would, and like my skirts had to go below my knees. And I remember standing in front of the mirror and my skirt would go below my knees and then I would pull it up half an inch and I would go immodest hmm, and pull it down half an inch, modest, hmm, pull it up immodest, hmm, modest. And I was going sin, not sin. And I was like, why? Why does this make such a difference? And I asked my parents, I'm like, why is this one in March? And that one's not there. Well, that's just how it is. I'm like, yeah, but this other family, they're allowed to wear skirts like this, like, but we're all part of the same religion. So like, how do we know? And they're like, well, this is what we've decided. And I was like, okay, so this is actually what God has said. But because my parents have said, I was like, what else do I believe is the truth? Mm. Because my parents have said, this is how it is without giving me enough other rules. And that's when I like start to get curious about other things but I mean like it I didn't make through, sense anymore I went through going through retreats and pilgrimages like I went to like seminaries and had like people pray over me I went to like for like living for like three weeks in this community where we we went to mass every day and all day was prayers and like service and like I tried so hard I tried so hard I still remember it was um I was just 19 it was after I'd been in Ottawa like I said it was a couple months after the first time I'd not gone to mass and I, like, I remember, like, I was so angry at God, but also terrified of being angry at God and wanted to go to Mass, but every single time I'd go to Mass, I would, like, get more angry at God, which felt like more of a sin, and so I remember it was New Year's Eve, and I went to this big praise and worship Catholic gathering on New Year's Eve where we were doing adoration, which is where, like, they put, like, the 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 host, which is, like, Jesus, which has been turned into Jesus up in the monsters, and we're praying, and we're singing, and all these things, and I still don't believe, and, like, I had, like, and I was just, like, I want to believe so bad, and, like, it's one of those things, like, I still am fully open to, like, if that mm-hmm. is the truth, I would 100% go back in a heartbeat, because if it's the truth, then why would I not? You have this 
God who loves you so much and you just follow these processes and these rules and it's actually the most amazing thing for you. It's like, why would I not want to be part of this? But it doesn't really truly feel like the truth. And I remember on that New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. I went and I was like, well, like I'm still trying so hard. So I got in line with whatever, two, 300 other people who were all going to confession where they were going to say their sins. And I knew I was like, I can't go before God and actually say I'm sorry because I don't actually believe this is God. But I was like, but I'll get in line anyways and I'll just see. And I'm like, I'll tell the priest, like, I'm like, I'm trying, right? Like the idea of not going still felt like I wasn't trying it's like and then if you don't try then it was like my fault right so I was like I remember getting there and I just happened to get the archbishop who's like the head of like the Ottawa area of priests right like so he's further up so like there's like the priest runs like the parish and then like the next level is up like the bishop who runs a bunch of the different parishes and then the archbishop kind of does the whole area so I happened to get the archbishop and I was just like I was like, like, here's where I'm at. Told them all these things, right? I mean, I also spent, I don't think I mentioned this before, I took a year and went to a Catholic university specifically to study religion because I knew I didn't know if I believed or not. And I went there and studied for a whole year, like, the faith because I wanted to figure out whether or not this was for like I would believe this or not and like so like I talked like the priest I told him everything this bishop I told him everything I've been going through to get to this point and he was the one he was and he was like do you really think that you going to mass is making you love God more or get angry at God more like is this helping your relationship I'm like I'm like I really feel like it's just making me feel more broken making me feel like and I was like I feel like I can't like it's not happening he's like okay well he's like and I mean maybe I'm just completely misinterpreting what he said but like what I remember him saying to me was like okay then why don't you try to not go and see what happens and like that was the permission I needed to be like okay I'm not that bad of a human being I'm not going to actually go to hell the archbishop has said to me it's okay for me to take a break right but like that was just the beginning of it and like that was after spending years going on retreats and praying and like crying like like begging God to show himself to me so that way I could actually believe because I didn't have this gift of faith and like spending a year in school and like it was mm. like it was a lot to get to that point. Mm. And what's really interesting is it wasn't until when I was soul searching in Australia. I had a whole bunch of cool different things that happened there, but one moment was it was another one of just those moments where just everything just was like so eye opening is I was walking on the beach. Um, I was in a small town, so I would walk for five, ten kilometers in the morning, would pass maybe five people on the edge of the ocean. It was amazing. So I was walking on the beach and it like within a moment, it was just like this massive clarity came into my being. And it was, it was God saying like, hey, you remember all those years that you cried out so long being like, God, please show me the way God, I, I'm willing. It's, it's just as long as you tell me the next step. Like, I just want to be good. I want to be loving. I want to change the world. Like, it's like, do you remember all those moments you did that and how hard you tried? It's like, well, I couldn't tell you I was real because if I did, you would have thought that I was real specifically in that religion. And I had so much more planned for you. And like, I just broke down crying. Like I was just like walking by myself on the beach, just like this massive awareness because like I do, I am. And now I would say I'm so much closer to God than I used to be. I'm not religious at all. I'm very spiritual. Mm. And I'm just like, I've, I've learned to connect to God and to love rather than to learning to connect to God from a place of fear and terror. And it's so beautiful because now I get to help, people and I try to help people be like how can you love yourself more and be more you and just fully experience life not because you're afraid that if you don't do this that you're gonna burn in hell for the rest of your life but just because like this actually feels like you and I'm so grateful to now be where I'm at now but like it did not just happen overnight with religion like that's something which still comes up regularly and it's like I'm still working through but I also 
also know that I don't need it to be part of my identity in the sense of it's going to come up when it comes up, but I don't need to be constantly living in that place of I'm still the person who's recovering from a religious trauma, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was like sort of gave me the chills a little bit, like the realization that I don't know how you said it. You said, I, if I showed you who I was, then I would be, I don't know. What did you say? When, if I showed you I who I was. I would stay in that religion. Right. Like if, if in those moments where I was like, God, show me you're real. God showed me I would had the synchronicity. I would had the little miracles. I had signs. I would have said, yeah, God of Catholicism, this is the real truth. I'm always following these rules until I die. This is how it is. I would have had that experience where I knew so deeply and viscerally in my entire being that this is the truth. And I would have followed that till I died. Like mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people tell me, like, oh, my gosh, Marissa, like, you would make such, like, a, a good, like, preacher even like that's something else I did like I applied to be on an evangelical team even while I didn't believe I was like I will preach and I will go across the Canada and tell people this is the most amazing thing even though I don't believe it myself because if I can help other people believe this they're gonna live in this beautiful bliss for the rest of their life because it's such an amazing thing to be loved by an almighty all-powerful God but it's just like I was like I God was like yeah like if you believed that you would still be in that religion and it's like yeah I would be rather than realizing like I don't think that there's a one right true religion same way I don't think that there's a one right true political group or a stance on the pandemic or these things it's like no like how can we connect to love and how can we realize Mm. that like in the grand scheme of things I mean I'm like I'm not by any means a spiritual guru or anything but like I get that it's all about love I think you are I think you are a spiritual guru in your own way and it's so interesting because everyone's ideas of spirituality and woo-woo and like, sure, there are some extreme thoughts. There are some, there are some, um, I don't know. There's some people who, who, who take things to interesting levels. I'm in a judge-free zone. You know, we all do these things because that's what we think is best for us with the information that we have. And I just, I do think that you are absolutely, because even just like walking on the beach, you're like, your feet are connected to the earth. You are feeling the energy of the earth. You are appreciating most likely the beauty and the, the, the experience in itself. Messages come in like that when we are connected to who we are and we're connected to the earth. And you said, like, you got your aha moment for fitness in a meditation. You're clearing your mind of what you think you know. And these clarity, these moments of clarity will come to you. And that is spirituality. That is that is a, totally a vein of spirituality. That is so powerful. That's like, that is the flick. That's the flick. The switch that that most people, most people will never flick on. Never. Because they, they're, the, the indoctrination is so deep and they'll justify the things that they think they know and they'll justify their life and, the, and, and suffer for it and choose suffering instead of choosing love. It's so interesting. So I, I like commend you on that journey and I love that you went to Australia for three and a half months. Like, holy crap. We have a lot in common in that. Yeah, it was good. 
We have a lot in common in that. I When I broke out of my indoctrination, which was like sort of semi-recent, I, uh, I started traveling by myself and started to reconnect to who I was because I couldn't do it with the voices of the people that I knew and the responsibilities of the things that I had to do and the person that I created as myself and the rules and the blah, blah, blahs. And I left. It started off with just a weekend away. And then I was petrified and I cried every single night. But then I started to learn how to soothe myself and take care of myself in a way that I'd never, ever experienced because I'd never put myself in that position. And my knowing, so like the actual, not not facts, not reading something in a book, not knowledge, but the knowing that I could take care of myself because I was doing it and I was actually walking in, I was walking the talk. Like you can talk all day about what you think you know, but if you can't walk the talk, you will never know who you are. It's very interesting. That's so powerful. And it's like what you were just talking about there was like going and crying every day and learning to self-soothe. I think that's something mm-hmm. so important that we need to learn to do because like, yeah, I've shared a couple cool moments where I had like these big ahas, but most of the time it's not like that. It's like you're crying as you go into meditation. I cried the other day when I walked out the door to go to the gym and I was like, and then I laughed. I was like, oh my goodness, this is my inner child who's learned that often when I cry, I self-soothe by sitting down and reading a book. So that way me trying to get out of going to the gym. Like there's so many things you have to do for yourself and it's mm-hmm. going to be uncomfortable. Like you said, you're, I had to travel. It's going to get uncomfortable. You're going to cry. You're going to yell. You're going to probably get an upset stomach and shit yourself sometimes because your body is going to be so resistant Absolutely. to this change because change and unfamiliar stuff feels unsafe right going back to the same thing as before like we're wired for safety like mm-hmm. we're wired like as human beings like that's why we don't break out of our communities or our belief systems because we want to feel safe but when we realize like if we keep doing what we've always done if we don't change these belief systems nothing's ever going to change so it's like you have to get yourself to go into the uncomfortable space, regardless of whether that's going on a solo trip or sitting down to do meditation or starting to eat a new amount of food or diets or things that actually help nourish you. Like it's going to be uncomfortable and it's okay for you to cry through it, to yell through it, to stop your feet through it, but learn to self soothe yourself in healthy ways and hold space for yourself in that discomfort rather than just instantly think, Oh, this is uncomfortable. So I'm just going to go home. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of red flag. There's a red flag. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at another way. I'm not going to, I see the red flag. That's danger. Go right back into my hole. The hole that I've lived in my whole life. It's like, sure. Red flags, red flags are there for a reason. Like they're waving right in front of you. But if you're not able to like see with the peripheral vision outside of like that flag, There's some green flags. There's some yellow flags. Okay, so I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about how, I mean, a thousand years ago, we had way more threat. Like there was more threat. There was less um, sophisticated shelters and travel methods and and tribes were all organized. Right now with the convenience and the technology, we, we have... So we have way less threat than we were. We would have like 500, 1,000, even like 20,000 years ago. How old are human beings? They're like 50, 
uh, they're like a million. When how how many years? I don't know. I skipped this whole part of school because we didn't learn about the. We only learned about the seven days of creation when I grew up, so I don't know the whole evolution. Of I saw. I was listening to like they were talking about like Neanderthals, which were like a million years ago, or like one point five million, and then like the first humans, or. Uh, I don't know. I want to say 50,000 years ago, but maybe people that actually know it are going to be like dying. Okay. So when we were wild animals transitioning into humans, there was way more threat right now. Like we're, we're not going to run out of food. We're not going to the sh- the food shelter. And like, uh, I guess a big threat in some areas is more like the weather. However, we have contingency plans in place. Like, um, So it's really interesting. They were talking about how we have psychologically mind fucked ourselves to create threat. We're constantly creating this threat in our mind through stories, through ideas, through this might happen and living in a state of fight or flight, which is most of the stress right now, especially in the pandemic has triggered this. So you're seeing more anxiety, more depression, more suicide, more hate, more all of that shit tied together through an irrational thought process. This isn't even happening, but the, the idea of the threat has become in our, we, we can't differentiate between the idea of the threat and an actual threat. So our body responds the same. And I was like, holy shit. Is that ever true? Like most human beings are not in danger for their lives in this moment, but they create it. And they live in that reality and they believe that that's going to happen. And so they make choices based on that irrational, emotional thought process. So that's like kind of doing a 180 back to the fear. And I was just like listening to this guy thinking like, wow. And I think for this next portion of the summer, I mean, I've always really worked on central nervous system stuff and down regulating through meditation, through movement, through cuddling, through like hugging myself, through like self-love, through different practices. I'm, I, I know that I am triggered a lot about fear of the, the belonging thing really, really comes up for me a lot. I, that's my, that's my thing for the last 18 months is I don't belong anywhere. No one's going to love me. No one picks me. In fact, they call me really awful, 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 awful things like their enemy. <laughs> I'm not invited anywhere. I like, the, and, and I'm not saying this to be the victim mentality because that is not who I am. And I am able, I, I've been able to detach from that, which has been a fucking hard thing. Um, with the hate coming at me, like nonstop. I look at, I sometimes look at, I'm, I'm tangenting here. Sometimes look at like celebrities because a celebrity will do something and the media will spin it into some horrible thing and they get so much hate. I just like, I I understand why people need a publicist and I understand why most celebrities don't read the comments. I get it. Okay. And just with my sliver of a, of a experience with the, the, because I don't have like paparazzi following me around telling my story in a totally different frame of like without context. I like just, I think it's it's just so interesting how human beings have to like deal with all this fucking bullshit all the time. (laughs) And this is the whole point of spirituality. Welcome to the human experience. 
Yes. And exactly. And welcome to, and keep coming back. And like, once you notice yourself drifting away into that, the indoctrinated beliefs, then you have to pull yourself back into your freaking body and like show up for yourself. I love like your website. I was like looking at, it's like, um, show up for yourself. Isn't that like one of your taglines somewhere? Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. know yourself and I, show I up for yourself. A lot. That's yes. my words for 2022. It's like every year I've like picked like a word or something. Yeah. 2022 was like consistently show up. It's like, it's not about what it looks like. It's like, if I show up, if I said I'm going to go to the gym, even if I show up for five minutes and that's all the energy I have, yeah. I showed up. It's not about what it looks like when you get there. It's about, am I showing up for myself in the way I know I need to be showing, like I need to show up for myself. Like, yeah, like sometimes I'll be like, okay, like I know I need more vegetables for dinner tonight. If all I eat is one vegetable and that's actually me trying because I know I'm still working through stuff, amazing, I showed up. It's those moments where you know you need to show up for yourself in a certain way and Mm -hmm. you're like, but I don't want to and you abandon yourself. Those are the moments which end up leading to that lack of self-love because the same way that if somebody else abandoned you when you're like, hey, and they're like, hey, how can I help you? And you're like, you can do this. And they're like, okay, peace, bye. Yeah. You wouldn't feel loved by them. And if so much of the lack of self-love we feel for ourselves is because we're not actually loving ourselves and we're consistently abandoning ourselves even when we know this isn't what we actually want. This well, but however, a lot of that is in the name of being a good person mm. to someone else's rule, right? Like, to be a good person, you have to follow the rules. When the rules don't line up for you anymore and you start to resist or back up or question, even talk about it. Like, so I can't even talk about my life with people. I can't even, like, that's where we are in this world. And yet the people I cannot speak about this to are the good people. Do you see what I'm saying? So they're like, yeah. it's the, the identity of being a good person in hating someone, in dehumanizing is such an interesting thing. And that happens with all beliefs. My way is the way. Your way isn't the way. And when, like, when I fight back against diet culture, it's the same. It's like the, the, the people that believe in the the standard which there's no right or wrong like you can live your life like that I woke up to that and I'm like I have a problem this is uh, all I do is think about food 24 7 all I do is like obsess about my body and I pretend I'm living my best life because sure I look good I'm moving I eat clean oh that was the thing for like a decade I was a clean eater (laughs) <laughs> you yeah you're you, you does that resonate with you <laughs> yeah oh yeah no it's so interesting and this is something which recently in like the past probably six months to eight months I've really settled into is using the word is this helpful mm. and rather than saying is this good or is this bad or is this healthy or clean Ooh, that's or so good it, and it, it's so good because when you ask is this helpful it goes back to who do you want to be and how do you want to live, right? Who do I want to be? I want to be an open-minded. I want to be a loving. I want to be an accepting person. Okay, mm. then is what I'm doing now helpful in regards to me being that type of person? Is this mm, action or behavior or this emotion or this thought, is it helpful in me creating the life I want to live? So it's not about I'm a bad person if I eat Oreos on Sunday night. But if I said, hey, I find 
eating Oreos at this time late at night makes me groggy and I don't want to be a groggy person, mm-hmm. then it's not about whether I'm a good person or a bad person, whether I eat the Oreos or not. It's about it's helpful or it's not. And we learn what's helpful through, yes, through science, but more so through experience. And that's where I think it's beautiful because that way you can bring in parts of diet culture which are helpful. Right? Like, I think it's amazing if someone finds eating vegetarian or vegan or paleo or keto is helpful for them beautiful keep doing that but it's when they're doing it because they think this is healthy or this is good or this is the best way or the right way to do it that's when we run into problems because then it's me versus you versus if we just say hey is this helpful for me for my body for how i work physiologically psychologically emotionally like is this helpful for me being me is this Mm -hmm. helpful for me being able to show up and be the loving person that I want to be in this world is this helpful in me creating the life the business the relationships Mm -hmm. that I want to create and if it's a yes beautiful do more of that if it's no okay then why don't we shift not because you're a bad person if you don't but from experience I found it just doesn't feel good to not feel like me so why don't we let that go and and I like this because um, it's not, again, the finite thing. Like, is this helpful? You can ask You can ask about the Oreos every damn day. Is this helpful? It's not like if the answer is yes one time, that it's yes every time. It's like you constantly need to check in because you're so programmed to think a certain way that, like, you need to really bring yourself into the present moment. A question like, is this helpful is a present moment question. It's, I like it a lot. I might even steal that. <laughs> um, yeah, go for it. It, it brings, I love that. Like you said, it's a present moment one. Like mm-hmm. it requires you to be conscious and in that moment yes. and in your mind. When you're present and you come back to this moment, that's really when you're living anyways. So it's like, yeah. it's like oh, that's right. Like there's no right, there's no wrong. There's even no right or wrong for me, but there is in this moment a helpful, loving decision. And how can I find that by coming back to now? I think also too, when you like, just oftentimes when people ask questions like this to themselves, this is like a very good cue. It's a good cue, inquisitive, um, critical thinking sort of question. It's interesting though, if people that are listening today like it, and you start asking yourself, is this helpful? That first word, and I don't know, maybe you can speak to your experience on this, but like when I ask myself those types of questions, it's the first thing that comes to me. Yes, no, maybe. It's like very few words because then the thinking mind will start, well, it won't be helpful because you're going to be fat and then you need to earn your cookies and you didn't do the thing and like whatever, right? So like the the intuition is going to speak first and it's going to be a feeling and a knowing and then the thinking mind is going to cue in. So it's like, is this helpful? Yes or no? Or maybe, or it doesn't matter, or neutral, or like you're going to feel like some sort of like response, or it doesn't matter. And then the thinking mind's going to be the story. So you can judge it for yourself and see the difference between your instinct and your intuition or the ego or the thinking mind or whatever you want to call it, the storyteller, whatever. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And like what you said about like instinct, like that initial or the intuition part of me, like mm-hmm. that initial response, 
that's always what my first go-to is. And then, like you said, there should be sometimes where it's like, I actually don't know. Either because I'm so disconnected from my intuition because there's so much noise or chaos in my nervous system, right? If my nervous sure. system is not grounded, you might not actually know what's helpful. And in those situations, what I find is really helpful to do is to say, okay, based off of my past experience and based off of science, what would those say is helpful for me in this moment? Mm-hmm. Great. Because it's going to be like, sometimes I'm too tired. I'm too tired and I'm like, you know what? I honestly think it's a fantastic idea to eat the Oreos at nine o'clock at night on Sunday. And like, I'm like, is this helpful? And instantly my body's like, yes, it feels like a yes. And I'm like, okay, but from my past experience and from what science says, is eating this going to be helpful? And then right away, based off of those two questions, I'm like, no, that's not helpful. Right. Right. So, but it's like, sometimes that initial just, is this helpful? Is like, I don't know. So asking like, based off of my past experience, or even if I don't know about that, then what does science generally say? Right. Because when you're tired and when you're dysregulated, like I totally get the thing learning to be more centered and learning to like come grounded and actually calming down your central nervous system. Like that's something I've totally been going through in the past like months. So amazing. And it's like, sometimes when you're dysregulated, you, I, I can maybe for other people as well, but I can say from my past experience, when I'm dysregulated, I don't have that intuitive yes or no about whether it's helpful or not because I'm disconnected from my intuition when I'm dysregulated. Mm. That's just where I find myself where I'm at. I wonder not, if, I wonder if you like, could pay attention and just... Because oftentimes the intuitions will speak without words. It will nudge you. It will... So that's the thing is... Mm-hmm. If I can get myself to pay attention, I will. But sometimes I'm so dysregulated, it's... The simple slowing down enough and connecting into my body. And again, this might just be just me because it's no, still no, no, no. I'm learning to actually be present in my body. Yeah, this is but not like, just you. Sometimes like, just being present in my body is enough of a trigger yes. that I will completely disassociate. Right. Right. So it's like, I think, and this is where I also just have to be like, is that helpful for me? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But like, you're like, how can we find the things that are helpful for us? Mm-hmm. Instead of helpful for everybody, right? And it's like, and like when we're first starting to get curious, being like, okay, like who can we learn from or who can help us get to this place? Like and there's sometimes too where it's like, it's not that I'm looking for answers outside of myself, but and, I mean, sometimes I do that too. But like some, sometimes it's not that I need someone else to tell me the right answer, but I'm like, I'll go to my girlfriend and I'm like, hey, this is what I'm thinking right now. Like, what do you think? And she's like, this is what you need. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Right? Because I know <laughs> she knows me and I know I'm just so dysregulated and I, I'm probably going to overthink it, maybe listen to my intuition, maybe overthink my intuition. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But sometimes being like, who can I trust? And actually ask them or asking the question, which I'm sure you've heard before. Like, if I was Marissa on a grounded day or if I was Elisa or if I was Lori Hart or, or yeah. if I was Oprah, like whoever the people you look up to, what would they do in this moment? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I'll do then. Okay, I honestly, I just looked at the time and I was like, holy shit, this has been like a crazy episode. So many bombs. I just looked at two, so. <laughs> I'm like, we start. I'm like, this is going to be 45 minutes, okay? It's just like, yeah. <laughs> Jeez Louise, we're over an hour. Um, okay, as much as I want to keep chatting, I feel like we're <laughs> like kindred spirits. I want to keep asking you about your life. You'll have to come back Let's on the show. Hugs. I would love to give you a real hug. Let's <laughs> yeah, go have we hugs should. somewhere and okay. roll around in the grass and uh, <laughs> yes. do something else crazy. We'll find something else that feels helpful in the moment. That sounds wonderful. 
I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It, it is, there was so much power in that. Wow. Wow. What a life. What, like, wow. Thank you. And, um, oh, where can we find you? Because you're an amazing, amazing person. Where can we find you here? Do you have a podcast? Oh, it's called sure. Living Living the Life is Your Podcast. Living the yeah, Life is yeah, Your Podcast. My girlfriend and I have a podcast called Living Life. Yeah. Um, it's lots of fun. It's got a whole bunch of things about how to help you live a healthy, fun, loving, and abundant life. Um, if you check out my website, marissahammondcoaching.com, you can find my links to all the other stuff. Follow yes. me on Instagram. That's mostly where I'm sharing. And I wish I could promise you exactly what you're going to find on there, but I can't because I'm ever growing, ever evolving, <laughs> ever changing. So I can promise I'm going to share my beautiful life journey on there, which I can also tell you probably six or eight months from now, because I was curious, I'm probably going to have new philosophies, new ideas, and probably be contradicting exactly what I'm saying nowadays. And that's okay. So <laughs> love it. free to follow along on my journey if you want to, but that's where you can find all those things. I will have all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming today and sharing your wisdom with us. Have a beautiful day. It's my pleasure. Thank you for seeing me and being with me. <laughs> all right. Until next time. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. If you are looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all the things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time. <laughs>